thanks everyone. Thanks to my dear friends who are here to support me. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Eileen. I'm a compulsive overeater vomiter. Um, and you know, that was the first time I ever heard that, um, the introduction that you talked about, um, relapse and, um, how to treat the relapse, um, survivor or, you know, those of us who, um, have been in and out in and out of these rooms. Um, I first came in in 1989 through a hospital program. Um, this was me when I walked in, uh, five foot 10, 104 pounds. Um, I thought I had nothing wrong with me except, um, I like to eat and didn't want to get fat. And I found the perfect solution with vomiting. Um, and bless my heart, you know, um, there was a lot of reasons that food, um, helped me to survive. Um, I grew up in a, like many of us, I grew up in a very loud, um, abusive family. Um, I would hide under the piano in the living, I'm learning this now. I would hide under the piano in the living room and listen to my dad beating my brother and my mom screaming, don't kill him. Um, so I learned at a very young age to be quiet and not speak up and, um, not say no and not say anything. Um, if I did have a feeling and I expressed it to my mom, she, um, pretty much took it on and it, then I had to fix her. So there was really no need. Um, and, um, so, you know, I, I came to these rooms, um, you know, basically I was going to do it perfect. Um, I worked the, the program for the first couple years, um, I got abstinent, white knuckling it, had a hospital meal plan, uh, stuck to it, gained some weight, which nobody talks about in the rooms, um, and um, just couldn't do it. And I couldn't be honest about it because of the shame and the demoralization and what's wrong with me and why can't I do it? And it's not going to kill me anyways, not a big deal. I mean, I was throwing up 50 times a day when I first came into these rooms. Um, I was going to die. And um, so I came in and out and in and out and in and out. You know, I was always searching for something, for the perfect answer, for the perfect church or the perfect religion or the perfect spiritual person or the perfect seminar. And I, and I never could figure out why everybody else got it but me. Everybody else seemed to get the answers. They all walked away from these, you know, great um, spiritual meetings with the answers, and I didn't. So um, I just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And um, my food was never as bad as it was when I first came in these rooms, thank God, or I would be dead. Um, and I just figured I'd manage it. You know, I'd throw up every once in a while. You know, it wouldn't be a big deal. Nobody would have to know. But I still had the mental obsession of the food. And if I was going to eat something, I knew where to get rid of it. And, you know, the whole process that goes on in our brains about, um, you know, what we can do to hide and eat the food. Um, I mean, my disease tells me that the ideal body weight is birth weight. And, um, and that's really not realistic. And um, today I have an age appropriate, lifestyle appropriate body that I'm very grateful for that carries me through. Um, the end of last year, um, I moved to a new area three years ago. The end of last year, I had a dear friend who kept saying, find a meeting, find a meeting, find a meeting. And I'm like, no, I don't want to find a meeting. I've been gone for so long. No way I'm going to come back. And I did. I looked and found a meeting. It was a half hour from my house. There were four of us. Um, went to the meeting a couple times, two of the people died 
and they closed the meeting. Then my next step was an AA meeting because I'm not an alcoholic, but come on, it's the same steps. It's the same stuff. I just deal with it differently. And I introduced myself as Eileen, a compulsive overeater vomiter, and nobody said hi. And I went, okay, maybe I'm not in the right place. Well, because to me, when it says an open meeting, that means it's an open meeting. You can say who you are, but I guess that wasn't the case. Um, and then I went to a couple meetings. There were other um, compulsive overeaters. There were other bulimics there. Um, they just didn't have a program. They had AA, which was wonderful. And trust me, AA is the the foundation of what we're doing here. Um, and, and in my mind, why I'm in recovery. Um, and then... Then I kept hearing, oh, you know, all of a sudden the pandemic hit and um, I started hearing about Zoom meetings at the OA rooms and I went, or AA rooms, and I went, wait a minute, maybe my meetings that I used to go to in California are still there and they're doing Zoom. And I went back in those rooms and um, there were people that were in the room when I came in 30, 30 years ago, you know, with 40 years of recovery. And, um, and what I did was what I remember they talked about when I first came in. And that's working the steps. That's reading the big book, which is where our answer is. Because you know what? It says here in more about alcoholism, the baffling feature of alcoholism and food is, as we know it, is the utter inability to leave it alone. No matter how great the necessity or wish. I didn't want to keep throwing up. You know, I, I would put pictures of my niece on the back of the toilet. So I wouldn't, you know, maybe that would stop me from throwing up. I didn't want to do that, but I didn't have anything else. I, you know, that was my answer to the pain that was inside of me that I didn't even know was there. And, you know, today the tools are my armor. They keep me from getting into the food because when I want to eat, which thank you, God, the food obsession has been lifted. And I am beyond grateful for that. Um, I have tools to use today. I have a program to use today. You know, if, if you want fellowship, you go to meetings. If you want recovery, you work the steps. You do what this program has taught us to do. Um, I believe God led me to Overeaters Anonymous. I also believe that Overeaters Anonymous led me to my relationship with God. Because I didn't have a strong relationship with God. I, I grew up in, in a family where, you know, God was, you know, wait until your father comes home type of God that was going to punish me and, you know, beat me up if whatever I did. But um, so, you know, today I know that I I get to choose the God of my understanding because that's what it tells us in this program. And for me, the God of my understanding is gentle and loving and says, Bless your heart, baby girl. Of course you want to do that. But let's just sit in the feelings for a little bit. Let's make those three outreach phone calls a day at least and talk to fellows and see that you are not alone. This is a we program. We don't have to do anything by ourselves. We come into these rooms and we have a fellowship of people that really get us. It's like what it says in the big book about, you know, we're like survivors from a shipwreck. We all understand the obsession of our mind. The food isn't the problem. It's what goes on between my ears that's the problem. It's the biddies in the attic that want to have this convention and 
and take charge of my brain. And I don't need to listen to them. I can say, thank you for sharing. Now, what can I do for my recovery? Because for me, my recovery is primary to me staying alive. Um, I live right now in an area that's absolutely magnificent, peaceful, loving, kind, and I'm isolated, okay? But I'm not any different than you guys who have neighbors, you know? We're all isolated right now because of COVID. And I am so grateful that, you know, for me, there's a pony under the pile of shit. And for me, the pile of shit was COVID, is COVID, and the ponies is Zoom meetings. I have met and connected with people through these rooms that are my sisters in recovery and brothers in recovery that I have never met, I've never touched, I've never hugged, and I feel closer and more loved than I did before I came back to these rooms. You know, I know that, you know, this program is the answer. And I heard at one of the candlelight meetings the other night, and I thought, wow, You know, we say in our meetings, let's take a moment to pray for the people in and outside of these rooms who are still suffering. And you know what? You guys were praying for me before you even knew me. You had me on your prayer list because I was out there suffering. And all the people that are out there suffering that we pray for, When they come into these rooms, they get to feel that love because they know we, at least I'd like to think, that we were the ones that prayed for them to get them into recovery. You know, getting better doesn't always mean feeling better. Well, it means feeling better. That means you get to feel your feelings better, which may not always feel better. But you know what? As I get better, I might feel worse. But the truth is, is that my feelings won't kill me. If I go to the food and I start binging and purging and doing whatever I do with the food, that will kill me. But feeling my feelings, even though it feels like it may kill me, it's not going to kill me. And I heard this in a, in a podcast and, and um, the person said, if I'm willing to go through that one time door of pain around that particular issue, I will come through the other side to freedom that was never there before. Food is a revolving door of suffering. And if I never get through that suffering, it'll just keep coming around. Because if I go to the food, instead of feeling my feelings and dealing with what's in front of me and and what God wants to show me about how I need to, to deal with certain things, to set boundaries, to tell people no, stop, let me think about it instead of always being that people pleaser. If I keep doing that, and I go to food instead of doing the actions, the right actions, I'm going to be feeling horrible because then I have to deal with the food and feeling miserable and guilty and awful about the fact that I did it again. One more time, I went to the food rather than feel the feelings and walk through it. I know today God does for me what I can't do for myself. And I also believe that for me, my abstinence is don't leave no matter what. And to be honest, no matter what. If I go back out, I have to tell you guys, I have to be accountable. Because otherwise, I'm going to be beating myself up and I'm never going to get back to my recovery. So I have to stay in these rooms. Addiction is the opposite of connection. I have to stay connected to you guys. I have to 
to keep the ego out of it because ego is edging God out. And, you know, God is good orderly direction. And push is to is pray until something happens. Don't turn to the food because that's not going to fix it. It's just going to make it worse. And then I'm going to have to deal with the food. And something that, um, something I discovered because I had a problem with my concept of God a long time. And I, I saw one of you have a dog. So I'm, I'm assuming that more than one of you knows the depth and the love of an animal and how unconditional it is. You know, no matter what we do, the love of an animal is there for us. And I thought one day, I thought, you know, if I ever doubt God's love, maybe I can look at my dogs because my dogs love me no matter what, no matter what they love me and they're there for me. And what if for me as a dog lover may not be for anybody else. What if dogs are a reflection of God's love for me? Now, a reflection is the opposite, right? You know, you look at yourself in the mirror, it's the opposite. Okay. So, dog, the reflection of dog is God. It's D-O-G, G-O-D. So, if I ever question my God's love for me, for me, I look up my dogs. I'm just, you know, I, I know for today that I have to act as if, that feelings will follow, that self-loving actions for yourself and others, the feelings will follow. And I also know that God or my dogs loves me so much. He can't take his eyes off of me. And all he wants me to do is quiet long enough to listen. And I had an experience the other day that that if I was in the food, I had made an appointment and my gut went, mm, that doesn't, I don't know about that. I, that didn't, mm, mm, I don't think so. And instead of going to 500 people, which is what I used to do, what's your opinion? What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? I listened to the feeling inside me. I checked with one person who was an expert. I believe it was about my dog. So it was a vet that I, that I appreciate. And um, she agreed with me. I, you know what? That's me listening to that small voice inside of me, that God voice inside of me, that if I had food in the way, I never would fear, would heal and hear. So um, keep your butt in the chair. We will be here for you no matter what, no matter what you do, because we recover together. You're not alone. You never have to be alone again. You don't have to go through anything alone again because this is a we program and we support each other. Make three outreach calls a day. I promise you it will change your life. And if you don't know what to say, pick up the phone and go, I don't know what to say. I was told to make three outreach phone calls a day. How are you? And that person at the other end of the phone will be so grateful that you called because that's how this program works. So with that, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share.